Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol Jesus 911 two man car. Welcome to Jesus 911. The month of February is dedicated to the Holy Family. This special devotion began in the 17th century, which proposes a Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph as the model of virtue of all Christian households. And today also, the Feast of St. Agatha, pray for us. She was uh, St. Agatha. Her feast has been celebrated on this day since ancient times. She was murdered in Catania, Sicily, most likely during the persecution of of Emperor Decius in 251 AD. While the details of her life are lost to history, the impact of her life and her sacrifice is attested to by ancient authors. Agatha, it means good in Greek, and of her, St. Methodius of Sicily wrote the following. She won a good name by her noble deeds, and by her name, she points in the, the nobility of those deeds. Agatha, her name wins all people, all people over to her company. She touches them by her example to hasten with her to the true good, which is God alone. She was a virgin, and she was a martyr. St. Agatha, pray for us. Eddie, welcome, bro. We've got a lot to talk about today. Good morning, VNPR. How are you, Jess? Good, good. Hey, uh, let's just get right into it. I want to talk about uh, Jeff Bezos is pushing a satanic project that has Christians everywhere beyond disturbed. If uh, Mr. Engineer, can you play the two-minute clip of uh, what's going on with uh, Jeff Bezos and is pushing the satanic project? Once upon a time, there was a glowing city protected by golden gates known as heaven. It was ruled by beings of pure light, angels that worshipped good and shielded all from evil. Lucifer was one of these angels. He was a dreamer with fantastical ideas for all of creation, but he was seen as a troublemaker by the elders of heaven, for they felt his way of thinking was dangerous to the order of their world. So he watched as the angels began to expand the universe in their ways. From the dust of earth, they created Adam and Lilith, equals as the first of mankind. But despite this, Adam demanded control and Lilith refused to submit to his will. She fled the garden. Drawn in by her fierce independence, Lucifer found her and the two rebellious dreamers fell deeply in love together. They wished to share the magic of free will with humanity, offering the fruit of knowledge to Adam's new bride, Eve, who gladly accepted. But this gift came with a curse, for with this single act of disobedience, evil finally found its way into Earth. With it, a new realm of darkness and sin, and the order heaven had worked to maintain was shattered. As punishment for their reckless act, heaven cast Lucifer and his love into the dark pit he had created, never allowing him to see the good that came from humanity, only the cruel and the wicked. Ashamed, Lucifer lost his will to dream, but Lilith thrived, empowering demonkind with her voice and her songs, and as the numbers of hell grew, so did its power. Threatened by this, heaven made a truly heartless decision. 
that every year they would send down an army, an extermination, to ensure hell and its sinners could never rise against them. But Lilith's hope remained, and her dream was passed down to their precious daughter, the Princess of Hell. Don't worry, Mom. I'll make you proud. Eddie, I don't know what's going on here with the... It seems like these... Jeff Bezos is pushing this satanic project. And, uh, you know, as I, as I take a look at this, I'm saying, why does Amazon get behind this? They're, they're always portraying Lucifer as a hero. I remember not too long ago, there was also an animated series uh, called Lucifer on television. I never watched it, but, the, you know, the lead character, once again, was, uh, I guess he was an L.A. cop and he was a cop by day, demon by night. But you see the agenda, Eddie, they're going after our children by trying to, what I would call, revise history. This is revisionist history. We know that Lilith, according to uh, the the tradition of the Jews, Lilith is, is an Old Testament female character that uh, is a, as evil as a seductress. Her name is not found in the Bible, but Father Chad Ripperger does say that Lilith is, the, is one of the five generals under Satan, is a demon of lesbianism. Eddie, comments? Yeah, just this whole thing it really, really bothers me because this is what's going on, Just This article, the, 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 the video and the article, are, are really saying a couple of things. They're mentioning terms that are familiar or will yeah. be familiar to people that will ultimately go through uh, uh, catechism, catechism teaching with the Catholic Church. So when we decide to tell them about some of these things, uh, for example, let me just mention some of them, Jess. Um, they talk about heaven, hell, a garden. Uh, the article talks about Charlie, a morning star, uh, the fruit of knowledge, uh, uh, Lilith, who, who is a demon, and then the free will, first fruits of humanity. They talk about darkness and sin. Just these are all terms that ultimately people that are being formed to understand this now are going to hear it later and they're going to say, no, no, we've already learned about that. You guys are teaching us something wrong because now you're changing it up. And the reality, Jess, is that uh, there's, a, there's a teaching that goes with these uh, these terms. And that's the problem with it. I think it's, uh, it's focused on uh, uh, error. It's all error, Jess. That's what it is. Yeah, it's what, what Hollywood does, Eddie, is they'll take a lot of truth and they'll sprinkle it with enough air to basically re revise the, the story. That's called, they call that revisionist history. You know, that's, that, that's what we're looking at here. And let's not forget that these Satanists, uh, they do have an agenda, Eddie. These Satanists, they seem to be growing in influence and in power. I mean, they're, they're, they're starting to put out cartoons through Hollywood. These these short little movies in Hollywood, and these movies, when you look at take and you take a look at them at the box office, a lot of young people, families like to take a lot of their kids to watch these Hollywood cartoon movies, and so uh, it has a huge impact on our culture. And if and if you don't think that Satanism is growing, let's not forget that Biden has at least one Satanist, at least one that we know of openly that works for him. His name is Doctor Doskolaskas. Uh, you also have an organized cabal of occultists on the internet called Satanists and Witches for Biden. Uh, you also had, I don't know if they're still around, when Donald Trump was president, you also had on the internet an organized group called the Satanists and Witches Against Trump. 
Uh, Eddie, the Satanists also have after-school Satan clubs. Uh, They seem to be growing, where students are indoctrinated with Satanic dogma by giving kids coloring books and babysitting them until their parents can come pick them up. You also have these Satanists, they're seeking legal protection for abortion as they consider abortion a religious practice and a satanic sacrament, and they're trying to fight this from one state to another. Uh, and also, you have many city councils across the country. They uh, you, they commence their meetings with prayer, and oftentimes when a Satanist offers himself, hey, you, the Christians are allowed to pray, uh, the, the city council members will concede and allow a practicing Satanist to open up the city council with a prayer. Just This is what we're seeing now. I think what we're seeing is, is the progression of, uh, I'm going to call them their parents, but it very well could be their grandparents, but of, of, of current, uh, these current children uh, that, that, that are born recently, they are not teaching their, uh, their children facts that are incorrect. You know, uh, they're not teaching them confusing biblical facts. What they're teaching them nothing, Jess. So when they hear this, they're being trained from the get-go. They're being trained from the beginning. Oh gosh, the Lucifer, he's a, he's a good guy, as it says in the article. He's really a good guy. Oh, look what heaven did. They send this army of angels to him, and they they want to they want to destroy everything, Jess. This is the issue: is that people are not being catechized. You know, any way you cut it, yeah. just we get down to the same bottom line. Yeah. That is, nobody is being catechized properly, and this is hurting the church. We're seeing it as time goes on; it's being it's progressively getting worse. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I talked to a Satanist a while back ago uh, at at the years a couple of years ago. The, the Scottsdale Satanist uh, came out and did a conference, and I, I for three days I talked to a lot of Satanists. As I was praying out there in front of the conference, and I remember I asked several of them, and several of them said the same thing, and it's it's in this movie that's being uh, uh, that's being put out by uh, Jeff Bezos and 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 Amazon. But uh, several of these Satanists, they, I said, so if you guys already know the way the the way the story ends, I said, then why are you guys on the losing team? Uh, several of them told me this. They go, well, you know what, we hold out. The possibility, I mean, I know it's it's a sliver of a chance, the a minute possibility that at the very end, we can reverse this whole thing. We can defeat Christianity at the final battle at the last moment. And so Satanists have told me that they hold on to this, this little teeny weeny 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 bit of hope that they're going to be able to pull an upset at the last minute prior to the close of salvation history. I mean, I laughed when they said that. I said, uh, I said it's already written what's going to happen. I said, uh, you're, you're holding out hope in the wrong thing. You should be putting your hope in, in the person called Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jess, you know, one of the things that they, ha- they have to realize is uh, there is some hope, but the hope is that they're going to die a death or they'll be in the hospital and they have the opportunity to call a Catholic priest to forgive their <laughs> sins. That's the hope they should be hoping for because that's that's what's going to happen to them. That's what needs to be talking. That's right. Uh, hey, hey, up next, I want to put on a little, another small little video. Uh, <laughs> there's a Chinese dragon being paraded in the Vatican corridors. <laughs> Stick around. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. 
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, two-man car, talking about this uh, this sa- satanic project being pushed by sa- Jeff Bezos. This revisionist history, this animated series called Has Been Hotel, where the lead character is Charlie Morningstar, the princess of hell and daughter of Lucifer and Lilith. Uh, Last thing I want to say about this before we go on to the dragon in the Vatican is the Bible tells us that the devil controls the air. He's the prince of the air. Think about how we receive communication, airwaves, radio waves, television waves. Okay, everything, everything, you know, even our Internet, these are waves that are being broadcast through the air. Well, the Bible calls Satan in Ephesians chapter two, verse two, quote, the prince of the power of the air. What does that mean? It means Satan controls that realm, that field, that kingdom. Since Satan is the prince of the air. He's in control of most of the airwaves. He's the prince of technology. And Satan has established the foundation of his empire here on earth through airwaves, radio waves, TV signals, communication, entertainment networks, streaming. I mean, Ed, we go from two black and white TV stations, you know, and an analog radio back in the early 1950s to today. We have a sophisticated, interconnected communication network capable of getting into the heads of almost 8 billion people today. And talk about deception. We didn't even realize this. This was a brilliant strategy on his part. Think about this. If Satan can talk angels out of heaven, he can surely talk you into hell. So be mindful of what voices you listen to. Yes, yes, I agree. You know, I remember as a kid watching TV some late nights until until that uh, peacock tail went on and, and, you know, the the channel was done at a certain hour. I think it was two in the morning or something. But you know what? It progressed since then. There's a lot of bad stuff on on, on TV, Jess. You could could, uh, Google up stuff now and and play apps that that will take you uh, places where you don't want, where you don't want to be. So parents have to be mindful of that. And I don't think that you know, parents right now are, are taking the opportunity to teach their kids what they should be doing and what they should not be doing. And that's part of the problem. Yep. So Catholics, do not go watch this movie, this animated movie called Has Been Hotel. Do not, do not, do not go watch this movie. Hey, up next, <laughs> I want to talk about a Chinese dragon was being paraded inside the Vatican corridors. I'm not kidding you when I tell you this. Look at this short little clip. It's about half a minute. Mr. Engineer, can you play the clip?
What pagan rites were those? You just saw a literal Chinese dragon being paraded inside the Vatican corridors. Now, let's just, let's just call it like it is. This is pure paganism. This is part of the Chinese uh, year of the dragon. This is superstition, and this is occultic. L- let's not forget that for us as Catholics, a dragon is a symbol of Satan. All right? Need I say any more? A dragon is a symbol of Satan. This is what you call the sin of syncretism. What is syncretism? That means that when you as a Catholic, you're trying to add something or join something to the pure religion of the Catholic faith, and basically you make it a cocktail. You make it a dangerous cocktail. You cannot, uh, you, you, you cannot harmonize or you cannot join Catholicism and Chinese paganism, Buddhism, Confucianism. They can't be joined. It's like oil and water. And here the Vatican, here we these, in these ecumenical efforts, probably, you know, to be politically correct, they said, oh, hey, let the Chinese bring their dragon and, and, and parade all over the Vatican corridors. You know what? I, that, I know that's not our religion, but you know what? We want to we wanna accompany them. And we want to... And we want to uh, you know, uh, open the doors to this dragon, this Chinese dragon, because, you know, we want to be, um, uh, you know, you know, we, we, we want to be ecumenical. What do you think, Eddie? Is this nuts or what? Yes. You know, this is, this is pure evil that the fact that we have a dragon at the Vatican, you know, that's one thing to have Pachamama in the garden when that's bad enough, but now you have a dragon in the Vatican, just this this also takes line off the, the the bad press that Vatican's been getting lately, and I'm sure that they're saying let's let's just put that out there. That'll you know get some of the headlines away from us, so we can uh, you know uh, focus on other things. Because you know, this Victor Manuel Fernandez uh, book that that was published that that we don't need that to get out any further. So let's just do that. And you know their choice is just the people in the Vatican who are making these choices. There's something wrong with them, and I think we know what it is. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, you know what? Let, let me just give a little history of some of the bad things that have been happening there in the Vatican. I'll give a short history in our lifetime. We have uh, <clears throat> Malachi Martin. He was a former Jesuit who turned whistleblower. In a book that he wrote called Windswept House, Malachi Mark- M- Martin, in that book, he documents that a black mass was held in St. Paul's Chapel within the Vatican on January 29th 1963. Then, a few years after that, in June 1972, Pope Paul VI, he said the following, quote, through some mysterious crack, the smoke of Satan has entered the church of God. So he said this a few years after this, uh, this black mass had been performed inside the Vatican. Then a few, uh, uh, a few years after Pope Paul VI had said that, we have now Sister Sasagawa, Our Lady of Akita, Japan, October 13th, 1973, told her, quote, The work of the devil will infiltrate even into the church in such a way that one will see cardinals opposing cardinals, bishops against bishops. The priests who venerate me will be scorned and opposed by their fellow priests. Churches and altars will be sacked, and the church will be full of those who accept compromises, and the demon will press many priests and consecrated souls to leave the service of the Lord. Fast forward, 
a few years after <clears throat> we had the Italian police, they raided the Vatican property and arrested many people, including some clergy, for having a drug-fueled orgy inside the Vatican. No, not inside Hollywood, inside the Vatican. A few years after that, we have the Amazon demon Pachamama being worshipped in the Vatican gardens. And now, Eddie, we have this. The procession of a dragon inside the Vatican corridors. This is scandalous. This is the very definition of the sin of syncretism. And is it any wonder that right before he died, Father Gabriel Morth, rest in peace, he said in 2016, quote, the Vatican needs an exorcism. Need I say more? Just that happened in just a few years of our lifetime. That, and, and that was during the reign of some pretty good popes during that time, right? Yeah. John Paul II. Uh, I mean, that. Yeah. Well, but I'm telling you, just the things that are happening at the Vatican are, yeah, they need an exorcism. They're going to need a, a solemn rite exorcism because that's what's <laughs> happening in the Vatican. God forbid. God, God forgive us. <laughs> okay. All right. Class time. Yeah. Liber Christu method. We're going to be jumping into now. Uh, the section called Repentance, Metanoia, and Forgiveness. This is a huge section. Uh, without repentance, metanoia, that change of mind and the change of heart, and forgiving people that have hurt you, you will never be delivered from the diabolical. Never. It's impossible. Because the demons hold on uh, to that, that lack of forgiveness. They hold on to the fact that the person's unconverted. And those are those become holding points. So Eddie, let's continue on this uh, on the top of page ninety. Yes. Go ahead. <clears throat> uh, that starts off with thus, correct? Yep. Yeah. Thus, the cross of of Jesus Christ, where He received His five wounds, is not a sign of defeat, but rather victory. By His wounds, we are healed, the, uh, uh, and defeat the enemy. This is, uh, this is why many of the early church fathers referred to the cross as a war memorial. St. John Chrysostom explains, Have you seen the wonderful victory? Have you seen the splendid deeds of the cross? Shall I tell you something still more marvelous? Learn in what way the victory was gained, and you will be even more astonished. For by the very means by which the devil had conquered, by these Christ conquered him, and taking him uh, up the weapons with which he had fought, he defeated him. The doctor of the church connects the wood of the cross uh, to, to the tree of Adam, where man was defeated by the devil in the garden. Thus, the cross is a war memorial erected against the demons, a sword against sin, the sword with which Christ slew the serpent. Soldiers to this day keep war trophies upon their return. Uh, recall how after defeating Goliath, David kept his sword and armor and eventually had it displayed uh, in the temple at no uh, Nob. The Greek word that St. John Chrysostom uses for war memorial is tro tropeon. I think that's how it's pronounced, tropeon. Yep. Yep. Mark, mark the spot where the enemy turned and broke ranks and consequently where the battle was won. The victors uh, would memorialize that spot by erecting a cross or large X 
and suspend the armaments of the enemy upon it, a shield, a helmet, sword, etc. Many church fathers as early as the second century likewise recognized that the cross is a tropeon, noting even the very T-shape that uh, the ancient victors would erect for their memorial uh, foreshadowed the cross. From the earliest of times, the cross has been understood as where Satan and his demons were vanquished by Christ. Just like the uh, just like the cross, Jess. That's what they're talking about here. Amen. Yep. I, I just love that uh, military language about the cross being a war memorial. When demons take a look at it, they they see that's where they were defeated. That's where uh, that's where the, rede the, the that's where the redemption of the human race took place. And remember, redemption and salvation, they're two different things. Everybody's redeemed. Not everybody will be saved. I'll, I'll clarify that on the next segment. Everybody's been redeemed by Jesus' death on the cross. Not everybody will be saved. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, two-man card. St. John Chrysostom says that the cross is a war memorial. He calls it a tropeon. The word tropeon is where you get the word trophy. Trophy. The, cross of, the crucifix is a trophy. Why? Why did demons fear? Eddie just read that last section that demons, uh, it says the cross has been understood as where Satan and his demons were vanquished by Christ. So why did demons fear the crucifix of our Lord Jesus Christ? Okay, redemption. The word redemption means a prisoner, okay? A prisoner who's locked up, who's been set free. That's what the word redemption means. Think about the story in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas are arrested. They get thrown in jail. Instead of being depressed and, and, you know, instead of kicking rocks in their jail cell, they began singing to God. What happens? Miraculously, God blows all the doors of all the jail cells open. Blows them open. As Paul and Silas are singing and praying to God in loud voices. So, the Philippian jailer, the Roman jailer is about to kill himself. He says, man, the governor's Pontius Pilate's going to kill me now because uh, all the prisoners have been uh, ha have escaped. See, well, he's going to kill himself. Paul and Silas confront him and they ask him, uh, <clears throat> you know, they say basically don't do that. And the, the soldier says, sir, what must I do to be saved? Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you, you and your family shall be saved. Now, be baptized. Yeah, yeah, Acts 16, 31. So, what happened to everybody in that jail cell? They were redeemed. That, that, that's a symbol of redemption. The jail doors were blown open and they all walked out. Okay? The doors were blown open and they walked out. They went from redemption to becoming disciples and now entering into salvation. Because now they became followers of Christ. Now, a person who stays in their jail cell after the doors have been blown open by Jesus Christ shed blood on Calvary, uh, you can do that. You can stay there in a fetal position and you can stay there and keep on shooting heroin and masturbating 
and keep on living a life of debauchery and darkness. And yeah, you can end up going to hell even though, even though, even though the doors of your jail cell have been opened by Jesus. You can remain there and live a wretched life of debauchery and mortal sin and die in your jail cell. But you don't have to. All you have to do is get up and follow, follow Jesus into salvation, into that narrow path called heaven. So that's why demons, when they see the crucifix, they know that it was that activity, that action, that shed blood that blew the doors open of everybody's prison. And so all of us now are objectively redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Even Muslims are redeemed. Even atheists are redeemed. Yeah, believe it or not, even Bill Maher is redeemed. Even, even Joe Biden is redeemed. Okay? Even Klaus Schwab is redeemed. Everybody's redeemed by the blood of Jesus. It does not mean that everybody will be saved. You got to get up from that jail cell. You got to look at Jesus and you got to say, I surrender my life to you. I want to be one of your disciples. I will follow you. And in so far as you do that, you're going from redemption to discipleship to salvation. Eddie, want to pick it up from there? Yes, that, that's why that's why it's important for us to make the sign of the cross. Not only when we go to church, but when we're in restaurants, it's beautiful to say make the sign of the cross. Just one time, we uh, my family made a sign of the cross. I think there was another family with us. I'm not sure who it was. It might have been David uh, Ursua. But uh, we made the sign of the cross, and we had our meal. And just before we were going to leave, a man came up to us, and he, he was just, he was weeping. He says, I hadn't seen that since I was a child. Thank you for reminding wow. me I'm a Catholic and I'm going to get back into my faith. Yes, this is the beauty of making the cross. You just never know what's going to happen. You can bring somebody in or you can cast the demons out. That's the beauty of the cross. Amen. All right, brother, pick it up from there. Okay. Recalling Revelation 12, which describes the defeat of the devil. How did St. John the Apostle say that the accuser was beaten? Notably, they conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, love for life did not deter them from death. That's all in Revelation 12. Giving uh, the word of your testimony does not mean you beat the devil by telling your past sins and uh, conversion experience in front of a group of people at a church. <laughs> Literally, uh, St. John says that they defeat him by the logos of their martyr martyria. St. Paul writes, the message, the logos, of the, of, the, of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The logic of the cross lies in its power to save, not a one-time past event, but to the present day. Yeah, the only thing Jesus. that I would say, yeah, the only thing I would say, the blood of Jesus in Revelation 12, 11, we receive that blood of Jesus most perfectly in Holy Communion. In the seven sacraments, in all seven of them, but perfectly, perfectly, we receive it in the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ in Holy Communion. And by the word of their testimony, the word of their test, the word testimony, uh, it's uh, it, it comes with the word martyr. We should be willing to speak, even if it means we may one day die for Jesus. Okay, we should we should be able to should be willing to speak the truth, even. At the, uh, at, the, at the expense of even one day dying for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see a lot of examples of, of martyrdom even now, uh, Eddie. Think about Mark Houck, what happened to him. He got visited by the FBI, uh, the father of eight children, just for what? 
for praying in front of an abortion clinic and pushing pushing uh, one of those uh, death scorts that was that was cussing at his 12-year-old son. Think about what happened a few days ago. Talk about people dying in this life. There's a half a dozen pro-lifers that have received Joe Biden's administration. The, the, uh, the, and, and the federal courts gave them 11 years in prison. Eddie, you and me have stood in front of abortion clinics for years praying. These people got 11 years in prison and $250,000 fines for doing what you and me used to do in California all the time on Wednesdays. Uh, so there, there's a lot of people right now that are suffering martyrdom, like, like the book of Revelation says, uh, for speaking the truth. Speaking the truth can bring you either white martyrdom or red martyrdom. In communist and Islamic countries, those Catholics over there are receiving red martyrdom for speaking the truth. Yeah, Jess, we have to realize that, that what's happening uh, in current times, the, the, the price of our salvation is getting closer to the price that Jesus paid for. He spilled his blood for us. And one of these days, the, the church is going to start suffering even in, in countries like the United States, like we like you just mentioned, those, those pro-lifers uh, under, under uh, Biden's administration. But this is the thing, Jess, is that we have to be perfect to get to heaven. So we want to do that. We want to shed our blood for that. And that's, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a virtue that we should pray for because it is important. It's, it's essential. Amen. All right. Pick it up from there. Okay, Jesus tells the tells us the three conditions of discipleship are self-denial, caring of the cross, and following him. For whoever loses his life for my sake will find it, Matthew 16. Thus the Greek uh martyri, martyro, how do you say that? What's it? Yeah, martyrio, martyrio, yeah. Martyrio, uh means to bear witness, give evidence of these three conditions. The ultimate witness to Christ is with one's life, and therefore. The martyr who is one who dies for his faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, to defeat the enemy, you must enter the path of martyrdom, to death, of death to its to self. Okay, so you must enter the, the path of martyrdom, of death to self. Love for life did not deter them from death. Again, Revelation 12. For this reason, St. Paul asserts that you must put to death then the, the parts of you that are earthly, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and the greed, the greed that is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming upon the disobedient, Colossians 3. Elsewhere, he links death to baptism, stating, we were indeed buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might live in new, newness of life. The old self must be put to death so that Christ may live and reign in you, St. Paul says. Thus, I have been crucified with Christ, yet I live no longer. No longer I, but Christ lives in me. That's Galatians. And death is swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is victory, is your victory. Where, O death, is your sting. Are you willing to light this battle? Uh, excuse me, fight this battle for your loved ones, your spouse and children? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to jettison the enemy so he no longer taunts and enslaves you and your family? Like Goliath taunted David and Israel? If so, take up the cross of Jesus Christ and continue the march 
or Charlie Mike, as soldiers say. In this section, we will show you how to identify and remove the obstacles to grace in your life so you can return home victorious. Amen. This is a big section here, uh, removing the, the impediments of unforgiveness. There's a lot of people that go for weeks and months and years and get prayed over by a priest, minor, or the solemn rite, and there's no effect. And they end up finding out after they interview the person, the penitent, they end up finding out, what? You've been hating your sister for how many years? Did you ever confess it? No. Did you ever tell the priest? No. Then why why have you been coming here and getting prayed over if you have if you have this vitriolic hate for your sister and you don't want to forgive her? And you've already just told us you're not going to forgive her. And so this is the big section. This is why a lot of people don't get healed from diabolical affliction. This is a huge section unforgiveness you will not be healed by the lord jesus christ until you totally forgive from your heart now it's not now that doesn't mean somebody who's like a family or a friend that's really screwed you over like i'm like stole a hundred thousand dollars from you it doesn't mean that your forgiveness means that you're going to go and have a you know barbecue with them every week and hang out with them no you probably won't have a relationship with them but you're not going to harbor hatred or bitterness or resentment against them and you're not going to let, allow them to occupy space in your mind any longer because you've given them to Jesus. Say, Lord, they're yours. I forgive them. You deal with them. Jesus 911, we'll be right back. We'll talk about the impediment of unforgiveness. This is a, a huge topic. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. So, Pertol, Jesus 911, the issue of unforgiveness as it relates to being liberated by the diabolical, it's impossible. Let me just tell you something. If you have hate in your heart, if you're angry at somebody and you're diabolically afflicted, you will not be healed. Impossible. Just, just pray the Our Father and listen to the theology of the Our Father, and that tells you everything you need to know. So Dan writes, The Impediment is Unforgiveness, Lesson 4. The motto of the British Special Forces or Special Air Service is, Who Dares Wins? David, Lee, David certainly exemplified this battle when he boldly raced towards Goliath on the field of battle. One thing that prevents boldness in the spiritual life, however, is the weightiness of past sins. When David put on Saul's armor, it was so heavy that he could hardly move. To describe how heavy and awkward the armor was, the narrative literally states that he walked with difficulty. 1 Samuel 17, 39. Unforgiveness works in a similar way. It wears you down and makes you vulnerable. That's a good analogy that Dan makes. Really good analogy. Unforgiving people may think holding on to their pain provides them protection from future wounds, but the opposite is true. An obex, which is Latin for an obstacle, barrier, or blockage, and here means anything that blocks that flow of grace to the soul. In an analogous way, 
Sin weighs down the soul like the heavy weight of Saul's armor, inhibiting life, movement, and growth. An obex to grace, then, is anything that encumbers the soul by weighing down and restricting movement, thus making it difficult to walk, let alone engage in spiritual combat. In fact, the persistence in sin and the failure to break both physical and spiritual ties to past sins are major impediments to your relationship with God. The spiritual baggage is like heavy armor blocking the flow of grace. A hardened unrepentance and a failure to see your own faults, therefore, are the first obuses which must be removed. Eddie, I know you've seen this over and over, so have I. Yeah, Jess, you know, I, you know, I think what we've been, what's happened is we're conditioned, uh, you know, we, as, as children, we're for, uh, conditioned to think forgiveness means a certain thing. So a lot of us think that, uh, like you said, forgiveness means, uh, hey, I, I got to uh, love him. I got to give him a hug. We got to be friends again. Look, we have to love the people that, that uh, trespass against us. We don't have to like him. We have to love him. I heard a priest say that one time. Yeah. yeah. And so that, that there's what there's it is. That's what it is right there. You have to remember that without you, like you said, the Our Father. If we don't forgive others, we can't forget. We can't expect God to forgive us. And that's the important part. Is we have to remember, is God is loving. God is forgiving. That's what we have to be. If we're going to imitate Christ, we have to be Christ-like. This is what we have to do. And then a uh, last one. Uh, oh. The, the, the wrong, a lot of us have been trained this way. The wrong is not reversed by your forgiveness. So when we forgive somebody, the wrong that they did against us, it's not reversed. It's not it's not uh, uh, forgotten. You know, you, uh, Jesus Christ, I don't think in the Bible just ever said forgive and forget. So that's that's the, that's the issue is that we have to remember what uh, you know what forgiveness is, and once we do that. I think we can get to a point where we can forgive people a lot easier than we do now. Yeah, it's for, for us, it's impossible to forgive and forget because, well, at least to forget. Forgive is not impossible. To forget because we have a memory and an imagination, and it's not going to be completely purified until the, the next life when God is going to just, you know, wipe away, you know, all those, uh, you know, wipe away pains and all those tears. Yeah, yeah. Revelation 21.4. Take away, wipe away all those tears and 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 sufferings and and pains. Uh, but one other thing that I would say that that is important in relation to this topic is that the definition of uh, I remember years ago when Osama bin Laden when he was killed by by the seals and you know they got rid of him. So I was kind of rejoicing. I said, man, this guy was a bad guy that did a lot of d- damage. And then, you know, a priest had put me in check. He goes, hey, Jess, you can't hate him. You got to love him. I said, Father, it's kind of hard to love Osama bin Laden. Then when he gave me the, the, the catechism's definition of the Catholic Church taken from St. Thomas of Aquinas, I said, oh, then it's easy. I can do that. The catechism says, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you the paragraph after. I'll look it up right now in the break. It says, uh, love is to desire and to will what's best for another person. So love is to desire and will what's best for another person. So because I love Osama bin Laden, I desire for him to get... to. I desire for him uh, the best, what's best for him. And what's best for him, God knows. God knows what's best for him. I don't know what's best for him. God is mercy and justice. God knows what's best for Osama bin Laden. And so how, how can I show a, a love of bin Laden? 
I will and desire what's best for Ben Laden. And guess who knows what's best for him? God does. Because God is perfect justice and perfect mercy. All right, let's pick it up. Um, Eddie, what does Dan say next? Dr. Schneider. Unforgiveness of others stands in direct opposition to command to the command of the Lord, who taught us to pray according to St. Luke, forgive us our sins, uh, for we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us. That's in Luke 11. Accordingly, a lack of forgiveness is a major obex which burdens the soul and restricts the flow of grace. This means surrendering any claim, even rightful ones, over anyone who has hurt you. In fact, the more rightful the claim you have, the more merit there is when you surrender it to God. St. Matthew teaches how Jesus gave further instruction on his, on his words in the Lord's Prayer of forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's emphasized in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. Specifically, Jesus speaks with a pointed realism of his command to forgive. If you forgive others their transgressions, he says that your heavenly Father uh, will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your transgressions. Matthew 6, 14, if you want to write that down. The emotions of anger, brooding, and re, uh, retaliation have weighed on you and impeded your movement like heavy armor. Forgiving others is a willful act that sheds the heavy burden uh, and helps to reopen the flow of grace. Just as David shed the awkward and heavy armor, see uh, 1 Samuel 17, you must also shed these interior habits. Jess, it's very clear, without forgiveness, Many, few of us are going to get into heaven. That's the, that's probably one of the most difficult things that I've uh, had to accept in my life is that I can't remain uh, uh, upset at people, uh, unforgiving of people, because it has to do with my salvation. And without forgiving somebody, you're really condemning yourself. And this is this is a, a one heck of a, a, a realization, Jess, I think is what it is. Yeah. You want to pick it up, Eddie, the last paragraph before we wrap it up yeah. for today's show? Yeah, it says unforgiveness uh, presents psychological and emotional wounds by which the demon can induce emotions of unholy shame and fear in you. Father Antonio Royal Marin, for example, lists the awareness of the necessity of forgiveness that flows from seeing how mercifully the Lord has pardoned us as one of the effects of a good confession. When, un when left unchecked, other vices uh, can follow in the trial of unforgiveness, such as lies and a distorted or unfounded belief in the lies of others, apathy, or a lack of emotion, extreme emotionality, uh, particularly when, dis when disproportionate to the circumstances and feeling of worthlessness or self-loathing. Uh, for I stated... For someone who suffers diabolic affliction, the need to forgive is an essential and vital first step toward liberation. This is because the demons feed upon the wounds that have yet to be sacramentally and interiorly, psychologically or emotionally healed. Just as sin affects our relationship with God, self and others, so also does the sin of unforgiveness. Guess this is a perfect explanation. I mean, we have to get it. Yeah. We have to forgive and take it to sacrament of confession or else it's not, we haven't totally gotten rid of it. And that also testifies to the fact that Jesus forgives sins. They don't just get covered. They're wiped away. 
they're not remembered any longer by the demons. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Bible says, I know in the book of Ezekiel, in the book of Jeremiah, I think in the book of Isaiah, it says, uh, it says, God forgives and God forgets. Okay. Now we we forgive, but we don't forget because we're not God. Okay. Uh, and, and and nature doesn't forgive, and nature doesn't forget. So here it is. God forgives and God forgets. That's Isaiah says it, Ezekiel and Jeremiah. Humans, we forgive, but we don't forget, at least not yet in this lifetime because of concupiscence still. Uh, and, and nature, again, you want to slam heroin, you want to get involved in homosexual sodomy, you get AIDS. Nature uh, doesn't forgive and nature doesn't forget. Yep. Just that's one of the reasons yeah. why I included recently a, uh, a question on the on the intake form. Uh, name three people that you have to forgive and why. Ah. And I'm yeah. sure they have it on theirs. Deeper Cristo has it on their uh, intake form. But I hadn't done it previously, and I did after reading this because uh, it's essential. Yeah, yeah, Eddie. Because people don't realize that this is key to liberation. This is key to living in Christ, is walking around with without... Uh, 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 somebody, I saw this. This guy had a T-shirt one day after mass. Young guy, it said, "There are no haters in heaven," and I and I complimented the kid. It was it was he was a young adult. Uh, it's a true statement. There are no haters in heaven. I said, "Hey, young man, I don't know uh, where you got that T-shirt from, but I like it. I like the message." And uh, Eddie, yeah. so yeah, next time we're, we're next time we're back on, we'll be we'll continue talking about the importance of forgiveness. Uh, this is critical. Then we'll get into this. Uh, some of the prayers that you should pray to ask ask God to, to help you, you know, with your unforgiveness, with that state of mind. But uh, that's a wrap. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Remember, don't watch that movie, Has Been Hotel. It's being put out by Jeff, Jeff Bezos and his company, Amazon. Do not watch that movie. And uh, now, don't don't have dragons hanging around your house either, okay? Catholics, don't have dragons around your house. No pictures or framed on the wall or statues of dragons. No, no, no. <laughs> All right. Up next, who's up next, Rich? Matthew Arnold up next. Stick around. You don't want to miss what's up next. As for us, two men car, EOW, end of watch. We are out. With your three college units from Liver Crystal. Talk to you later. Keep the faith. <laughs>